Welcome to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. Today's segment is The Creative Elixir with Mia Robinson. We also have a very special guest today, so please continue listening to the full episode. This podcast is powered by the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, and we would like you to remember that information shared on the Vitamin SC3 podcast is for informational or educational purposes only and does not substitute professional medical advice or consultations with healthcare professionals. To become a member of the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, visit SickleCellConsortium.org. The Sickle Cell Consortium is a collaborative designed a little bit like the United Nations in theory so that we can bring together many organizations for sickle cell throughout the country and now throughout the world, as well as um, independent patient caregiver leaders, opinion leaders, advocates, those that are active in this space. And our goal is, what we've always done, is bring our community together so that we can create projects, priorities, initiatives. We can figure out what are the problems, needs, and gaps in the sickle cell community, and then figure out how we're going to collectively address this. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Creative Elixir. I am your guest, Mia Robinson, and I have a wonderful warrior today with us. Um, her name is Candace St. John, but we call her C. Saint. And C. Saint is a, an awesome spoken word artist. Um, she's an emergency room nurse. Like I mentioned, she is a warrior. She is just amazing. She has come to our open mic several times and performed live. So if you have not heard her live, you mm-hmm. have to hear her live. You know, How are you doing, I'm, I'm all right. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm thugging it out as always. That's what I like to say. <laughs> That's what we do. Thug it out. We're some thugs. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what we do. So just to give you some um, background information on C. Saint, Candace C. Saint St. John was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Born to a Grenadian and Jamaican parents, she was exposed to Caribbean poetry and folklore at an early age. Something about poetry always stuck out to her and it became her favorite, favorite genre of literature. Candace started writing poetry at the age of nine. Her gift was quickly recognized and cultivated by her English teachers. Her friends and family also saw her talent and encouraged her to continue writing by providing her with journals to write in and invite her to speak at special events, which she still does today. Candace was born with sickle cell anemia. She has endured physical, mental, and emotional pain throughout her life at the hands of this crippling disease and other unfortunate events in her life. Candace has been able to find healing and catharsis through writing poetry. Out of her pain, she was birth she has birthed wonderful verbal masterpieces. She writes from a broken place, hoping to touch the lives of those who may be going through her their own pain shining a light into dark places through words rooted in love and truth. 
Her raw and unadulterated poetry brings attention to some of the painful issues that desperately need to be discussed, amen, <laughs> but are typically hidden in shame. Candace believes in finding the purpose in your pain and healing through transparency. Not only is she a healer through writing, but also by profession. Candace is an emergency room nurse, but has always cherished the arts. Since the inception of her writing journey, she has published two collections of poetry, My Book of Tears and Dare My Soul to Sing, as well as spoken word album, The Mix Message Mixtape, which we will discuss later. So that was definitely a mouthful. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I think that we as warriors just find our purpose within the pain and once we tap into it it's amazing and it's so healing for us so at what age did you realize that you had sickle cell i know you said that you started writing at nine so was that around the age that you started to kind of um, deal with it in that way or i'm the youngest in my family so i think I mean, the first memory I have of having sickle cell is probably kindergarten. I know I had pneumonia in kindergarten, so I kind of recall that. Um, but like I said, being the youngest, my older brother also has sickle cell. My sister has a trait. So I've always been aware. Um, my parents were very big on making sure that we were educated and knowledgeable. And, you know, knowing that, you know, we have this disease and there might be things that we can, can't do, or we have to be mindful of how we do certain things. So I've always been aware of that because they, they were really big on that and being involved in advocacy groups and stuff. So it was always something that we were involved in. Um, but to say like the first memory that I could have was probably kindergarten. I think it was like four. So I've always been kind of aware of things, but. I'm kind of the same way. It was just kind of ingrained in me um, to know at an early age. So I understand. And I'm the only one with sickle cell in my family. So I get that. So how do you think um, having sickle cell has impacted your life as a child and now growing up to be an adult with this emergency room nurse career? How does it impact your day-to-day -day life? I know. Um Growing up, like I said, we were always involved in advocacy groups, so we were always aware of, you know, what to expect and maybe, you know, just being around a lot of people with sickle cell and seeing their lives and how it can manifest in different ways. It was always made me mindful um, just to be in control of my life. Uh, my parents didn't treat us any differently. They, they expected everything out of us that they expected from my sister or my cousin. We all grew up very close. So it wasn't like I, I didn't get treated any differently. I was expected to go to school, get good grades. I, you know, they were my cousin and I, she, she were one year apart. We were always in the same class. So they would send my homework home with her. Like there was no excuse. <laughs> so if I was in the hospital, they would bring me my books and my homework. So it didn't really change anything in that sort of sense. Um, and I'm grateful that, you know, they expected highly of me. I kept that throughout my life. I mean, it wasn't something that I was going to let control my life. Um, always in the back of my mind growing up and seeing young adults with sickle cell and stuff like that. 
I feel like it put a little healthy fear in me a little bit. I, you know, to make sure that I take care of myself and just keep a good head on my shoulders, focus on other things. Like there's so many wonderful things in this life that you could focus on and take from and learn from and just live a happy and healthy life as much as possible. Agreed. That's imperative that we do that, especially as we get older and really deal with adult things and flashback to some of the things, the traumas that have happened to us as kids, which we'll get back to in your mixed messages, mixtape. Um, so yes, it's good to just keep that mindset and have that positivity to just keep going. Sure. So how would you say, you said your older brother has sickle cell and your sister has a trait and your family was really mm -hmm. close. Did sickle cell, the actual disease, especially, well, not just knowing, but you dealing with the disease, did it impact your interpersonal relationships or does it still impact your interpersonal relationships? Um, not too much. Good. Thankfully, you know, like I said, I try to be mindful and take care of myself. And even as a kid, I didn't get hospitalized too much. Um, I normally, it's not something I lead with. I don't just broadcast to people, especially growing up. I didn't really talk about it too much. I guess I didn't contend with it. And maybe I think it didn't impact my life as much. So I didn't have to contend with it when I was younger. More so when I got older, I was getting sick more frequently. And it was something that I was like, okay, I can't ignore this. Um, so I don't think it's impacted my relationships in a negative way. Uh, my family, like I said, they've always been supportive and, and things like that. I think if anything, it's me causing more issues in that, um, you know, I don't want to be a burden on people or, you know, I don't, yeah. things like that. Like, especially like I say, growing up and seeing young adults with sickle cell, I developed like a healthy fear, I say. And I, I always, and I tell a lot of people this, it was a goal of mine to be independent. Like I, I, in the back of my mind, I wanted to make sure that I could move out of my parents' house and live alone. Even if it was temporary, I just needed to know that I could do it. And I've done it. I'm doing it. And uh, that's just something that I've always, yeah, no problem. I've always thought about in the back of my mind. Like I didn't want to be dependent on anyone. That was very important to me as I was growing up and, you know, things like that. Um, I normally didn't say anything until I had to, like, you know, you can't help it. You're going to disappear. You disappear for weeks at a time. And people are like, where the heck, where, where you been? You know? When I first started working, I got sick a lot, like back to back, like months, like one month here and one next month, like three months in a row, I got sick. And so people, of course, I'm young. I was like 22, 23. They're like, they're thinking I'm pregnant. So, of course, I'm like, okay. We're not going to have that rumor. So I explained, you know, <laughs> some of my closer coworkers like, hey, you know, I have sickle cell. I've been sick. And so I call them the Houdini moments when you just kind of disappear and then you come back like nothing happened. Yeah, That's usually I, like, <laughs> I always say our back, back game is unmatched. We just come back like nothing ever happened. So, right. That's crazy. So in your bio, you said that you start writing at the age of nine. What kind of sparked that interest in writing poetry or just writing, period? I just love poetry. I don't know. When I was in middle school, 
I think our English teachers, they just kind of made it fun, especially the poetry section. Our class was very like rhythmic. We always made like we would turn the poetry into raps, like we would make beats to like classical poetry. So we made it fun and they allowed us to make it fun. So I just always it always stuck out to me more than any other type of writing. I love reading and literature in general but poetry always stuck out to me I think I'm a little like OCD kind of like I love I think especially like the rhyming scheme I think maybe that's what appealed to me the most and there's the challenge of you know the patterns and I think that's kind of what stuck out to me the most probably so who would you say is your favorite poet or writer who really inspires you the most like or just who do you find that you read the most I love my, of course, my Angelo, you know, being a black woman, she's probably number one for me. Yeah. Um, my second book is kind of based off of the cage bird, why the cage bird sings. It has a lot of reference to that poem. Um, love my Angelo. Uh, Toni Morrison. Yeah. Um, even like the old, like, a, like I said, literature, we read the Canterbury Tales. I like, I love the Canterbury Tales um, and the rhyming scheme and the humor in that. Yeah, just like one poem I remember from middle school. It was called The Highwayman. And they said the highwayman came riding, riding, riding. It's just like the rhythmic thing about it. And of course, growing up in New York, we listened to a lot of hip hop and stuff like that. So I think just the rhythm of it really sticks with it, like stuck out to me. I love that part of it, I think, the most. Gotcha. So I know you have um, a few poems about sickle cell and I know that um you wrote one as like your I'm done with it I'm gonna get it out and I'm gonna be done with it can you kind of explain what you were going through in that time and what made you just put it all on paper and just just Mm -hmm. let it out yeah that piece it's everybody knows me for that piece um it's called a life in crisis and i explain this every time because like art in general especially for people with chronic illnesses or any type of trauma is a great way to release that energy that anger or frustration whatever it is um i think mental health in general is forsaken in the healthcare community that's a whole nother issue but it's very important you have to release those emotions it goes hand in hand we're holistic beings mind body spirit soul so if you have a chronic a physical illness of course it's going to be it you know it's going to impact your mental health and so i feel like writing you know that manifested for me in writing like i had to get it out Um, As far as this piece specifically, what I was going through, like I said, I had just started my career. I'm young, you know, I'm balling. That's what I feel like. You know what I'm saying? I'm like in my career, all this, you know, everything I've been doing was working up to this moment where I could start my career and make money and be on my way to that independence that I was talking about before. And it just happened that, like I said, I was getting sick back to back to back to back. It was literally like once a month, like in and out the hospital, in and out. It was just so frustrating. And I'm like, all this work that I put in and it's like, I can't even do what I'm trained to do. And it's ironic that I'm a nurse and then it's like, I'm a patient. I'm like, I feel like I'm spending more time as a patient than I am as a nurse. And it was just kind of, it was just... It was crazy. It was just a lot to contend with. I was upset 
And I put it all into this one piece and I decided that was it. I wasn't going to, in my life, I, d- I decided that I wasn't going to let sickle cell run me. Yeah. You know, in Jamaica, they say, I run things, things don't run me. Right. And that's how I feel about sickle cell. Like yeah. I run this. Yeah. This is not about to run my life. Like I have a little bit, I, I tell people it's the delusion of it all. Like I, sometimes I'm delusional. I'm like, I'm going to pretend like this doesn't exist until it. <laughs> Do it. I'm gonna leave it in the corner mm-hmm. and deal with it when I have to deal yeah. with it. Of course, I'm mindful and I don't think do things, you know, crazy things. I take care of myself, but for the most part, it's like I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna let this control me. I'm not gonna think about it incessantly. Like it can be much, even with advocacy. Like you have to find the balance because when you fixate on this one thing, it, it can get unhealthy. Yeah. So I've written other pieces, but this is the best one of course and so i'm like this is the piece yeah this is it yeah. i'm not i'm not writing about it no more yeah. <laughs> people might get sick of it yeah. but it's like i'm not talking about this anymore exactly. this is it yeah and i get it because it, it like you said it can be overwhelming from the disease part and the victim mindset and even mm-hmm. from the advocacy mindset you know um it just can be yeah. overwhelming in in it all so i completely understand that and that's Mm -hmm. why the creative elixir exists to um interview certain people that uh, are artists we've had makeup artists we've had a crafter you're our spoken word artist so we love to talk about how art just in general is a, a way of expressing ourselves whether it's sickle cell whether it's mental issues it doesn't matter what it is so mm-hmm. i love the very powerful means of expressing your emotions say that one more time it's a very powerful means of expressing your emotions right. like art right, right. whether like you said it's painting or makeup or whatever right. it is like you have to release the emotion somehow right. and yeah no i decided i didn't decide that when i wrote it but after the fact i'm like it's a good piece i feel like i said I literally said everything that could possibly be said. <laughs> like, I don't, like, what else can I say? I, I said it all. So I'm like, I'm going to leave it there. I decided one day that I'm like, I'm not going to write about this no more. I'm going to leave it there. And that's, that's it. it. Good, good. <laughs> so how do you find freedom through your art? I can, like you mentioned in your bio, um, you can just kind of let things out. And it's a way of catharsis for you and just... Um, being free, freeing yourself and healing yourself in a sense. How does that, how does that work together, mesh together? How do you find your freedom through your art? I think uh, for me, I have a tendency to be kind of dark and brooding. Like I'm always a person people like, they're like, I never know what's going through your head. That's, that's how I am. I'm just kind of like, I tend to be kind of pensive and ruminating about the things in the world and, you know, causing deep, deep existential crisis of myself, that, that sort of thing. It's like, there's so much going on in the world and it's so stressful and you can't take it on. Like I, it's like you, everybody has their own issues. I can't take on the worries of the whole world. Yeah. So if I see something happen or worst of all, I guess was when we were in quarantine and that's when everything I've always been very observant of the world around me in general, but that I feel like that moment really hit a lot of people mm-hmm. because a lot of people tend to get, they just tunnel vision in their life. They have no clue what's going on in the world around them. And so when we were in quarantine, it's like, you have no 
mean, you have no choice but to pay attention to all the stuff that's going on in the world. So I think a lot of people did, you know, after that they could relate, but that's how I've always felt. I've always observed and felt the things that are going on around me. And I feel like writing helped me release that. I write about all types of things, um, just traumatic things. Like I said, I like to write about things that people don't like to talk about, but it's necessary to talk about it. Because the only way... You know, my therapist says you have to feel in order to heal. You have to go through. You can't ignore, you know, and like I, I, for a long, long period of my time, I ignored sickle cell and it can and that can be healthy and unhealthy. But I feel like I've ignored it in unhealthy ways. Yeah. And it's like, no, you can't do that. And that's probably why I had to go through the, some of the things that I went through. Like, I'm blessed that, you know, I didn't get sick so much growing up. But, you know, after puberty and after I started working and stuff, it, you know, you get older and things hit a little different. Right. So I, it's like, I couldn't avoid it because it was in my face. Yeah. And I think that, like I said, I was lucky enough to be able to ignore it and live my life, but it came to a point where it's like, I have to contend with this thing. Yeah. I have to face this thing. Like I, I born, I was born with it. I, I wake up with it every day. I can't, I can't just ignore it. Like I feel like I want to. That would be nice. Though. So <laughs> I know. Wouldn't it be nice? Um, so yeah, I pour all those emotions into my work. And it, even if it's not specifically about sickle cell, I can take those emotions still and write about something else. Yeah. And it still takes that load, that stress oh. off of me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, my mom and I was just having a conversation about just things going, going on in the world and how she, um, just tend to internalize certain things mm-hmm. and how it physically manifests in her. Yes. And mm-hmm. she has had to learn to either set those boundaries and say, hey, I can't take this right now, or just learn not to internalize certain things. Would you say that writing for you helps you process what you gained in from the world and then you're able to just spit it out and let that be that would that be pretty accurate yeah absolutely absolutely um i tell people all the time the mind is powerful yeah. the mind is powerful <laughs> like yeah. powerful yeah. and like i said physical health and mental health go hand in hand you can be physically fine but if your mental health is not where it needs to be it, it will manifest physically mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's called psychosomatic symptoms where it's like you, your physical feeling, but it's not, there's not a, a pathophysiology, but there's not a behind it. It's really your mind is unhealthy. Yeah. Not to say that you're not really feeling the physical symptoms, you are, but there's no like medical reason why you should be feeling it. It's because your mind is not healthy. And I think people underestimate, severely underestimate the power of the mind. When I'm stressed about something, I can get sick and end up mm-hmm. in the hospital where there's no medical reason why I shouldn't be sick. Mm-hmm. It's because I was stressed or worrying or concerned about something. Yeah. You have to release that. Yeah. You have to release that. Yeah. And it, it it just adds on to the pain when we're already in crisis. So, you know, just even keeping a sane mindset when we're in the emergency room or when we're in the hospital, I find helpful because to me, that's just adding salt on top of an already open wound. So mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Has there ever been a time where you lost your will to live due to sickle cell disease? Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. Ooh, that's a good one. 
like I, I joke about my delusion a lot. And I think my delusion maybe helped me <laughs> sometimes because there were many times in my life where I should I should have died. Yeah. You know? And I know, I mean, I'm a smart kid, you know? So it's like, I understand that, but within me, I always tell people there's certain times, especially there was a time in 2010, I had to, I got so sick. I had to withdraw from college this semester. Um, They really thought I was going to die. Like there was one day in the ICU, there were a bunch of cold blues going on and people were, they kicked all the visitors out. And all my family and friends, there were a few people there that day. They kept saying they thought it was me coding. But I tell them all the time, I'm like, for some reason, in that moment, I just never thought I was going to die. It, everything added up, like like all the doctors and nurses, even when I came out the ICU, they were like, oh, my God. It was like they saw a ghost. They were like, how Like, how are you here? Every, like, literally everyone thought I was going to die. And within myself, I never thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. However, there's definitely been moments where I'm like, yo, take me out the game. Like, please, like, I'm tired. This pain, it's it's a pain that you can't explain. It's a a pain you can't explain. So can I say, have I lost my will to live? Not that I would actively sabotage myself, but there have definitely been moments where I have surrendered to say, okay, if this is my time, this is my time. That's why I, I live every day on purpose, in purpose. I'm speak in purpose on purpose i i just move and do everything to make my life full and be joyful and as much as possible because you never know when your time is and i can be content to say i feel like i've done what i'm supposed to do that's a great so yeah yeah definitely moments where i'm like if this is it so be it i'm not afraid i'm definitely not afraid to die I'm not doing things to call, bring death upon myself. But yeah, there's definitely been moments where I'm like, all right, I'm, this is enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we are faced with those moments, we just look at death differently. Like we can't control it. It is what it is. Even for someone who has attempted, you know, to, to take their own life. If it's not your time, it's not your time. You know, you're just yeah. going to cause more harm to yourself. But I I, like you, have not been to that degree, but there has been times where it's like, I don't even understand how I'm still here. Like, it's so much going on around me and so much happening with me. This is, sometimes I feel like this is not real life that we're in. <laughs> so. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, this this can't be it. Yeah. And I've had one of my cousins, an older cousin, one time he asked me, he's like, why are you, why are you still here? Like, why do you? I can't remember how he phrased it, but he's like, what, what, like, what is it that's causing you to keep fighting or something of that nature? And I'm glad we're having this conversation because I feel like people really avoid this conversation and it's absolutely necessary, but that's me anyway. I like to talk about stuff nobody wants to talk about, but it's necessary because we've all been there. Let's be honest. Right. This ain't, this ain't easy. It's not. It is not easy. At all, when my niece turned eighteen. Um, I was like, "Welcome to adulthood." Yeah, there's yeah. moments where I look over my life, and it's like I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every day, and every time I, I get very moody around my birthday because I know, like, I shouldn't be here. Yeah, I shouldn't be here. I know that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like I can't say I lose my will to live, where I just give up. There's never been a point where I give up, but I'm just like, 
secretly whispering like, hey, if this is that's what you want to do. I'm not going to argue. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I've definitely been there. Like, if, if this is my time, I'm not going to argue with you because yeah. it, it can be a bit much sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And a bit much is definitely an understatement. Hello. It gets hard. It gets hard. That's a good segue into your mixtape. Mixed messages, mixtape. Um, like you mentioned earlier, you like to talk about the things that nobody likes to talk about, but that needs to be discussed. And you share things in there like um, traumas from childhood, such as molestation and men, well, boys being taught to suppress their emotions and they grow up to be men that are Une- that are emotionally unavailable and you just you went in and I, I get why you called it mixed messages because just like you just like we mentioned boys are taught to suppress their emotions as boys but then as men for women who want to be in a relationship with these men they're unemotionally they're not available you know emotionally so what made you go this direction and release this mixtape yeah, I'm glad that I can say this. When I, I like I said, I started writing poetry at nine. I've been writing poetry years. I had books full of po- like people always give me books, like just as gifts randomly for my birthday. They just always gave me books, and I'm just like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> um, and for years, I just collected them. Like I still have a bunch of empty books, but I started writing, and I never shared my poetry. I never performed none of that until like when I put out the first book and people were just like, why don't you ever share this stuff? But really, I think looking back, it was just therapy for me. It was good enough just to write it. And that was fine. Um, But, you know, now I know there's a bigger purpose. It's not about me. Like there's lessons to be learned from the writing. There's people who need to be freed from the words that I'm putting on paper, especially with the mixed messages, mixtapes. Of course, these are not all things that I personally go through. But like I said, I, I pay attention to the world around me. I feel the things that I, I feel like I feel other people's emotions so heavily. And it's like, I need to get it out. I need to get out the secrets that they're afraid to tell. You know, I say secrets kill, truth heals. You have to get that out. You have to, I feel like it's important to start that conversation. Um, so that's that was really, Mixed Messages was initially going to be a poem. And then there was just a period, I wrote all of those like very, like they came out like just crank them out and so I was like no this is bigger than just one thing it, I was like this is a project and because we get so many mixed messages throughout our lives like you, know, you hear I tackle like you said I went in because I was just like I just this is so much that yeah. needs to be talked about I just I was like I'm gonna talk about it all yeah. why not I said nothing safe um I talked about men I talk about women girls boys race I talk about sex I talk about the church religion everything I'm like nobody's safe I'm going in on everything and everyone anything. because it needs to be said it needs to be said. Okay. It's just so much toxicity in our world. And how do we heal? I always ask the question. Anytime we're having, I'm having discussions with my friends, I'm like, how do we move forward? Mm-hmm. We can talk and beat these things down to the, like, but how do we move forward? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll never move forward, especially with a lot of traumas, if we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So really, I wanted this project to be a conversation starter mm-hmm. because it's like, it's no beating around a bush. It was no sugarcoating. I said what needed to be said. So it's like, we can't hide it no more. Yeah. It's out here. 
And I think that's the issue with a lot of things, especially in our community and our culture. We sweep things under the rug. Yep. We don't talk about stuff. So I'm like, no, we're not doing that no more. Right. I'm not like, I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm going to say, this is what it is. Let's talk about yeah. it. And when you listen to this album, it's not something that you can avoid. You can't avoid it because I clearly stated this is what's happening. Yeah. So now what? We're, it's out in the open. Let's move forward. Let's talk about it. Let's heal. Yeah. And that was one of that project. And I really hope people really listen and resonate to something on that album. I think everybody can relate, whether it's the church issue, whether it's the molestation, whether it's a man who finds that they were told man up as the eight year old because he, you know, he couldn't shed tears or whatever. I think is something the album is something that can relate to everyone in in some way or in some yeah. fashion. So I'm really glad that you were able to put it out and put it on the table. Let's let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because too many people, first of all, in our community, like you said, we like to brush things under the rug. We have made mental health taboo. So we're all just harboring these issues and these secrets that are killing us so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm glad that you put that out and put that on the table and i really really hope that people will listen and just really think about how how it's impacted their own life and start to move on that whether they talk to someone about it whether they seek out therapy or whether they send a note to you or whomever i just really hope they take it and do something with it not just but listen you really do have to listen yeah i always tell people i'm like you have to listen with an open mind and an open heart uh because at surface you know face value is competing well that's why it's called mixed messages because i present it in a way as if these are just the facts and i I always have double meanings and things in my poetry so i remember i was having a conversation with one guy and he just didn't get it he was like that's not true i was like Listening, like it's not something that you can just listen to. You gotta take time. Yeah. You really have to digest it mm-hmm. and really just be open and and feel my heart. Yeah, it, it wasn't meant to offend anyone, um, but it really was just meant to to get stuff out there. And if you really are patient with it, you'll see what I was trying to the message that I was trying to convey. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I did want to ask you to jump um, topics really quick. Was your um, want for being a nurse, was that stemming from you having sickle cell or what made you want to be a nurse? Probably. And that was part of it. Um, I always wanted to be in healthcare. I thought I was going to be a pediatrician, but I was like, I ain't going to school for that long. (laughs) Let's keep it a buck. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That was literally I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, my aunt, and she's a nurse. She's been a nurse. Well, she's retired now. Good. Congratulations to her. Um, but I remember when she brought us to her job and that really stuck with me. She was a NICU nurse and that image always stuck in my head. Um, but I always tell people, I'm like, you know, kids grow up playing basketball. So they want to become a basketball player. I grew up having to deal with being sick and the people that you see the most are nurses. The people you remember the most are nurses. They're the ones that are with the patients the most. So that was the environment that I was used to. So that was what was in my head, you know, and 
I guess it's as simple as that. <laughs> um, it's what I was exposed to, you know, for a lot of my life being in, I was in the hospital. There were people in my nursing school class who had never been in the hospital before. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, mind blowing. So what possessed you to, <laughs> to take right. this other profession? <laughs> like you have zero experience. So it was very fascinating, but it's like, this is the life that I was used to. I've been in hospitals and labs and doctor's office and all these things my whole life. So it was familiar t- territory. Right. Um, that yeah. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, that was good. So let's have a few fun questions. Let's do it. Um, this is this one is called this or that. So it's just a couple of questions. So because I do want to get into your poetry. So um, when you want to just escape. Are you more likely to go hiking in the mountains or is nature trail with the waterfall more your type? Water. There's something very healing about water. I love being around water, whether it's a waterfall, pool, beach, especially the beach. Love water. You can miss me with the woods. I'm a city girl. (laughs) I get it. I get it. I'm open to all life's experiences, but if I had to choose. It's water. Gotcha. <laughs> when you want to unwind at night, do you go for a glass of wine or herbal tea? Mm. Neither. It's so funny. Like people think I'm so complicated, but my friends, they say that too. I'm so complicated, but they already know, like, I'm drinking ginger ale. I had a friend buy me a six-pack of ginger ale for my birthday one time. So funny. Like, I don't really drink. Often, and wine is definitely not my drink of choice. Okay. I wish, because I'm a foodie, so I feel like I should be drinking wine. Like, it's the classic thing to do, but it, it just doesn't sit well with me. So I'm definitely not the wine girl. And tea, it depends, because sometimes I get too hot. So <laughs> I like to... I make myself a little ocean spray cocktail. I got my ocean spray and my ginger ale and a little sparkling water, and that's what I'm sipping on. Okay. Thanks for my <laughs> That's a CK special. Cranberry juice and ginger ale. Everybody knows. I love it. I love it. That's your mocktail. When you want to feel a little fancy. Yep. Even in the hospital, they already order. I order a cranberry juice and a ginger ale with every meal. <laughs> <laughs> they already know. They already know what's up. Sweet. So what piece are you going to bless us with today? I mean, it is Sickle Cell Awareness Month, so let's let's go with it. Okay, I'm ready. A life in crisis, and um, hopefully, I don't know how this works. If y'all can link the video, you can do that as well. It's on YouTube. Um, so I'm going to perform Life in Crisis. It's about a life in crisis and also describing what it feels like to be in crisis. So I said a lot of stuff I write has double meaning, so that's the double meaning behind this piece. I come in screaming. All I get is diluted morphine C. Fake smiles, hair IV pumps beeping. All the while my dreams are fleeting, anger seething, heart beating a steady pounding of pain. The sludge that is my blood flushing these accursed cells through my veins. Pain shooting from my chest to my back. The only comforting thought is the next Breath be my last. I spent so many days barely existing, struggling to get by. Talking to a God I barely believe in somewhere up in the sky, my most fervent prayers, I'd fall asleep and just die. But time and time again, I wake up to the oh so real nightmare that I'm still alive. And I lay here, T 
tears streaming from my eyes. Your care desensitize my dignity, compromise it. I patiently wait for a resolution to be devised. No longer will you ignore the cries of this lonely girl, invisible, misunderstood, trapped in a cycle of pain, shame and defeat coursing through my blood, half living like the half cells running through my veins. Try as I might, seems like all my efforts are in vain, taking two steps forward, only to be knocked back down again. I swear I can't win. I'm just trying to make sense of my life. Desperately wanting to make the best of my life. This can't be life. Is this really it? What grim future do I face if this is my dismal present? What a present. What a gift, this gift of life I have playing. If only I could hit rewind and hit reset. Go back as a thought inside my parents' head and leave me there. Just as a thought instead. Instead of this. I look into the mirror and see a beautiful corpse covering over a rotting corpse. Steadily falling apart. Just take my arms and look at the marks. You can literally play connect the dots to the hurt in my heart. I've never been whole. I'm more like a fraction, just a heap of parts. Bones breaking, body aching, daily getting worse, hence the curse. A broken spirit. A tortured mentality. A bruised soul barely existing due to a genetic technicality. Slice cells running around, my body doesn't know what to do with them. Can't function due to a glitch in the system, a glitch in the system that leaves me sick. But at the end of the day, I refuse to be a victim. This thing that cripples me, yes, may even bind me. I promise you, it will never define me. I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend. I'm a nurse, I'm a scholar, my thirst for learning never ends. I'm talented and beautiful. I'm more than what you see. I'm not a sickler, and I'm damn sure more than a disease. I march to the beat of my own drum, daring to cross the line. I would give up, but every time I look at the clock, <laughs> there's never been that time. People look at me. A fighter is what they see. I say don't be too impressed. I'm only strong because I have to be. So I live life freely and I love aggressively. So no one could ever say that this disease got the best of me. I know you out there can't hear my finger snaps, but I'm snapping my fingers. <laughs> I got chills all over again. As many times as I've thank heard you. that in red, I still have chills. So thank, thank you. you. I mean, I even find meaning in it every time. I appreciate you so much, C Saint. So where can this audience find your material? Where can they purchase your books? You can find me at imcsaint, which is i.m.csaint, but you can just type in imcsaint, you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, my books are available on Amazon. I have two of them. My Book of Tears. Oh. Oh, there, there. My Book of Tears and this Dare My Soul to Sing. Um, they are both on Amazon. And the Mixed Messages mixtape is my album. It's my first spoken word album. Certainly won't be the last. And you can find it on any streaming site, really. It's on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music. It's everywhere. 
So you can find it, download it. I greatly appreciate. Take a listen. Hit me up. Tell me what you think. I love to interact with people. Explain my work because I sometimes, you know, could be like you said, I'd be going in. So please. Please find me, look up my stuff, support. I greatly appreciate it. Yes, please support her. Please support this amazing warrior. And I thank you again for hanging with us today, C-Saint. And happy Sickle Cell Awareness Month. Make sure you guys take care of yourself. Turn up, but not too much this month. Please take care of yourselves. Always Um, stay hydrated. You know, I tell everyone, I tell my patients, only you can take care of you. You can't blame the doctor. You can't blame the nurse because they're not with you 24-7. You have to be in charge of your life, of your body. Only you can do it. Don't be a passive participant in life. Absolutely. Take action. And we'll Thank you, (laughs) CJ. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vitamin SC3 podcast. We hope that you will leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, a new episode is coming out next Monday. So please tune in and enjoy.